And now, it's time for Miss Weed Wiki Speaks. to be joined by my next guest, a fellow bud sister, cannabis enthusiast, photographer, and so much more, Nikki Reps. I had the profound pleasure of meeting Nikki through a wonderful online space called The Porch. Thank you so much, Nikki, for joining me today. Could you tell our listeners where you're joining us from? Hi, thank you for having me. And I'm joining you from beautiful Daytona Beach, Florida. (sighs) Florida sunshine. year round do you get the sun year round like they say oh so we maybe get two months of winter and my running joke is it's always around my birthday it can be sunny the week before my birthday it will be cold on the day isn't that the worst in a way but it's also because it's always so sunny I don't get to dress up in like the cute boots and the jeans and stuff a lot like you know like winter my uncle used to say that winter is when you see if people really know how to dress thousand percent agree a thousand percent agree and you know um years ago I developed the thing almost accidentally when I would have to travel say to Arizona or the odd time to Florida for work I didn't realize till I stumbled in the mall, there's boots down there for cheap compared to North, right? Like, so I do my best boot shopping in Florida and in the South where there's no snow to be found. No, because the styles are cute, right? Exactly. And then still, they're still switching out with seasons as if we have regular seasons. So we're just like, the shoes go on sale sooner here because who is buying them? Who's wearing them? Exactly, right? So they go for almost free. Seriously. Well, our listeners would love to know more about your cannabis journey. Could you tell us where it all started for you? So for me, it actually started with my son. Um, My son had gone through quite a bit of uh, emotional and physical traumas. And part of his healing process, you know, teenagers, they find weed. And he was just like, you know, I don't want to sneak around. And I got that. But also as a young black man, I did not want him um, getting weed from just anyone, anywhere and being at risk for police to um, any interactions with the police, to be completely honest. But especially because, oh, what you're doing is illegal. I did not want that for him. So um, what I did was I did a lot of research. He's he's very knowledgeable. Honestly, you should probably be interviewing him <laughs> when it comes to weed. But um, it was a decision that I went in with. And then my own anxiety has started to escalate so much. And I did not want to continue to drink heavily to kind of cope. And so it was just a healthier measure. And then we made it a family affair and uh, my brothers and sisters and I were able to convince our mom. And so we all had appointments the same day, my son and I in the morning. (laughs) And my mom, when we were like among the first appointments in the morning and mom was the last appointment. (laughs) So it became a family affair. And it was because my son sat down with us and was like, 
look, I know that, you know, you guys are like anti-drugs or whatever, but this is not the same. And this is how it helps me. And so it became a protective measure and it became a family healing journey. And now mom makes edibles. (laughs) I love how you called it a family healing journey. And, and at my core, I really love that it's multiple generations. You're talking three generations who get an opportunity to have healing from the plant without the fear of persecution. Yes. Yes. And that, that was the really important part, especially being in the South. So, um, and my son, he, he has like dreads and he's, he's a big guy. He's like, like, I'm only like five, two. I'm, I'm yay high. It's like five, two on a good day. My kid's like six, two. (laughs) And he's like 225 pounds, you know? So, there, there are just certain things that we recognize where we are. We're literally maybe 30 minutes from Stanford. So we're Trayvon. Yeah. So, you know, there, there was a huge time here with the hoodies. I wouldn't, cause my son was an athlete. And so I wouldn't let him jog in his hoodies anymore. And not as if, you know, a hoodie or wearing your pants up or down changes the reality of it but you try and put in place anything you can kind of thing you're 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 really grasping at the the tiniest of things right one day might make the difference whereas reality we're rationalizing (laughs) something that was irrational exactly that's you know the trauma racial trauma that we endure when someone like Trayvon Trayvon Martin is taken from us exactly precisely Definitely. So I'd like to talk a little more about, you know, your journey with cannabis as a black woman and, you know, how, what are the the barriers or obstacles you've had to deal with? Okay. So personally for me, it was, it was a re-education. It was, especially for someone who um, I'm like, I started a doula course to be a fertility doula. So that's learning about herbs and flowers. So I, I really had to do some deprogramming and just, you know, get out of my own way. But it wasn't so much that I had so many issues. It was my mom. My mom being um, a pain patient for a herniated disc, she, the, the different traumas and dramas that she experiences with doctors and the thing is, it's almost like the doctors lie directly to you. So it's, hey, we found THC because when you're on pain meds, they test you all the time. And so they were like, hey, we found THC in your system. She's like, yeah, you know, my kids gave me some stuff to try for my pain so that I won't be so out of it on these opioids. And so they told her, hey, if you get the medical marijuana card, which, you know, quote unquote, kind of legalizes you then we won't say anything about finding THC in your system because, you know, that's permission. And she did it and they started to cut her pain meds. So in cutting her pain meds, you put her in, you know, a worse position. And so, and the doctors were just like, what if you don't like it, you can find another doctor. And two doctors told her that. And literally, and like one doctor, he could see, like my mother has an extensive medical history. 
she has all of her paperwork. And so you can see like what she's been prescribed for how long. You literally can see this, it's in your face. And they would tell her on her first appointment, which, you know, just access, being able to get an appointment, having to get up early, everything you have to do to get yourself there, regardless of the pain you're in. And then for the doctor to walk in for barely five minutes and basically tell you, so yes, I can see that, I don't know, you get a hundred pills, but I'm cutting it down to 50. What do you want? What do you want her to do at this point? And it's, oh, well, you're, you're doing marijuana. You, you have the card. So balance it out with that. Right. It doesn't make sense. And what about, how about the paying of it? Is it hard to, like, if you get a matter, like, does she get marijuana cheaper being a medical patient or is it like, does there coverage for her through her insurance? I, so from what we've seen, no. And I think that's kind of like a hot topic here in Florida that it should be medically covered under your insurance or there should be like some kind of benefits. But thus far, we haven't, we haven't learned about them, which speaks to access because if we have a medical marijuana card, we should be literally given that information on how to kind of balance that out. But that's not the thing here. And it's, it can be hard or easy to get the card. So like with anything, if you kind of know the tricks of the trade, you help each other out. So like here, there's this one place, it's super easy. You just call, you make the appointment, you pay, it's done. And the doctor immediately writes you the highest dosage that's available by state law. Then I've heard horror stories from other people on how doctors are making them run around, do a thousand things, get a ton of documentation to prove that they need the medical marijuana card, even though they will have, again, a very extensive medical history. Yeah. Yeah. We all have clinical notes and records if we've been going to the same. Exactly. Exactly. No, it, the, the inequality, the inequity of access is, it continues an issue everywhere. 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 It's so sad. It really is. But on a nicer note, what is, (laughs) what is your favorite way to consume cannabis? Oh my God. Edibles. They are amazing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And so most recently, uh, my friend, shout out to Ashley Dolce. um, She, uh, she, um, she's a chef in Detroit. She has started doing Kool-Aid and sweet tea and lemonade. Yes. It's amazing. (laughs) So good. Um, she's like that's just my new thing now she, she usually does these amazing cookies they're they're so yummy chocolate chip she does um cookies and cream oh yeah it's so good but right now oh she just started doing butter and olive oil oh so that's gonna be my next test is her butter and olive oil but oh my god um between a good cookie at the end of the work day or drinking one of the kool-aids down oh you just float you just float and you're happy and if you're happy and you know it clap your hands kind of (laughs) I love how you describe that and by the way you had me at infused lemonade okay okay oh I have to send you some She's taking orders right now. So I have to send you some. We will definitely connect about that. 
So when we first met virtually, I couldn't help but connect to your spiritual perspectives, both on motherhood and being a Black woman in America, and so much more, so much more. How has cannabis enhanced or contributed to your spiritual well-being? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I was able to let go. I was, there were a lot of things that were just, I'm sure a lot of Black women can relate to this. It builds up. It's just a constant building, building, building until you kind of explode or get sick or your health declines or, so it, it gave me the chance to really meditate, to really go deep. Between that and the, uh, as you taught me, uh, silly cyber. Between those two things, I was able to connect to my core. I was able to connect with my ancestors. I was able to take the breaths that were needed. So the things that would have been overwhelming and I don't want to cry. The things that just hurt. um, It helped change perspective. That's what I'm trying. It helped change perspective. And that's because I had the space and the room to actually let it go, to actually process it and to not do it from such a high, strong place that I never really got to, I never really got any results other than just it's constantly building and I'm going to explode and I'm super stressed out. It's like, okay, but is this really, really something I want to fall apart about? Or, and, and you can have permission to fall apart. Right. It's like, okay, let me cry. Let me get all of this out. It's just a cleansing. That's it. It's a cleansing. I love that. It is a cleansing. It is a cleansing of your spirit. Right. How do you incorporate canvas in your day-to-day life? How does it impact your, your projects and your, your ventures, your work? So I can't remember who said it, um, and it's, it was probably a woman on the porch, to be real. <laughs> but um, she was saying, "No, it was your podcast, one of your podcasts." And the woman was saying that she had become very intentional about her use. And so someone had brought it up before somewhere, and then I heard it again on your podcast, and I went, "Right, that's that's what we do, though." It's like. I know that I'm going to a place where my ideas can be unlocked. And that's what it does for me creatively. It's like, I have this idea and it's, it's nibbling on my brain. And then I go, okay, let me go, you know, get medicated. <laughs> and with the intention of, I'm going to let this idea come at its own pace. I'm not going to stress it. I'm not going to overthink it because it's there and it wants to be brought forth. So I'm going to give it the space to, to come forth. You're giving it space to breathe life. Right. Right. It is so true because when I think of even life pre pandemic and how so much of my adult success was predicated on my ability to go, 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 right. manage everything and juggle everything, keep my Ooh. health okay, right. stay active, care about how I look and, and interact with people, but right. never, never actually absorb everything unless maybe right. 
when you're on vacation because you're away from all the distractions. Right. And even then, you need a vacation from the vacation that you overplanned for. <laughs> and overcompensated at work for. Because right. you know, you gotta, you have to disengage. You're telling everybody you're disengaging for a week right. or two weeks from your life. Right. And cannabis makes you reprioritize time. Yes. It does. Yes. Yes, very much so. I, I was just having this conversation and saying it's really interesting between COVID and cannabis, how I have resituated myself and what progress actually looks like. It's not the go, 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 go. It's not the go until exhaustion. It cannabis reminds me I can take a nap. Yes. You can take a nap. It's okay. We're, we're adults and we can take naps. Just like there's this commercial that says, um, we're adults. I can eat chocolate cake every day if I wanted to. I don't, but it's like somehow in our head, we think that we there are these rules that apply or that we allow to be applied to how we move and live and we restrict ourselves. And limit ourselves. Yes. And for who and for what? That part. Well, it's always others. It's always others. True. But like in the long run, for who and for what at that point? Right. You know, and and you might have the same spouse. You may not. Relationships change and grow and evolve. What are you doing for you? And how are you going about it? Yeah, you're, you're making really great points because when you're intentional about cannabis, you're intentional about what you're doing and why you're doing things. Exactly. Exactly. Totally, totally love when we're getting together. And <laughs> Now that legalization is happening rapidly in different states, do you have an instinct or, or a pulse as to when you think adult use legalization is going to hit Florida? Oh, goodness, no. Um so if you go to the dispensaries around here, they are like, their fingers are crossed for it. They are ready. Um, but this, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to use the G word, but, <laughs> but you know, this that goes, guy, that guy, yeah, that yeah, guy yeah, in yeah. charge. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll use that word. <laughs> yeah, that guy in charge. That's a good G word. <laughs> um, yeah. Woo. Um, okay. So to give you an example, I'm going to, I'm going to switch over to the COVID vaccine and we have a grocery store here uh, called Publix. They were given special, quote unquote, special access to the vaccine. Only them for like the first I want to say month or so, but you could only go through Publix originally. And then they opened it up to other uh, like CVS and Walgreens and all of that. And so there's a, you can Google this actually, but, and so there's a big deal about the public's family and the access that they were granted and the money that they put towards, you know, campaigns. Everything here is about money. And mm-hmm. so it's who is going to come in? Who's, who's going to do what it takes for the legalization to happen and who's going to pay for it? Right, right. And it's interesting because what I've been hearing in discussion on Clubhouse is, you know, Florida knows that it's really a collection. It's 
you know, it's an, it's an oddball state, but it's part right. of why it's an oddball state is it's really a collection of people that come from elsewhere. Right. Primarily. Right. So I think, um, one of the things I'm hearing with the medical cannabis community, especially the aging doc, the retiree doctors and all that, mm-hmm. they, know they have a snowbird population. Yes. So you know what's going to usher in adult use? The appetite of those snowbirds, because they are bringing their medical prescriptions from their other territories, provinces, or whatever, um, for the six months that they spend or the four months they spend for winter down there. So already clinics and organizations down there are picking up on that and trying to facilitate the transfer of those licenses for the duration. So the appetite is going to come, but I think it's going to be that population or tourism in the, you know, when they want to really re-energize the economy post COVID that's going to make, make, um, adult use come onto the agenda. Now, see, I, I can definitely agree with you on the tourism part of it. Um, but with the older population that you were referencing, the thing about them is they have money. So they have access. They have the access. You're right. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. And so unless they feel like sharing it, there's no appetite for them. Exactly. And they really want to share. That part. That's... Yeah. Where but I could totally see the state doing it for a tour. No, and, and that and maybe that's it. Maybe it's the tourist because, you know, we, we talk about in Afro Canada Bud Sisters all the time that, you know, we're I'm in, I'm going to be intentional about, about spending my vacation dollars where I can use cannabis safely without yes. fear of stigma or, or persecution. Right. Yes. So if they don't if they want to recover those Disney dollars, they better exactly. make it because I'm not in a rush to go back there for it understood and agreed (laughs) (laughs) while we're living in such unprecedented unprecedented times what inspires you these days what projects are you most passionate about how much time do you have (laughs) so i just started uh doula school birth doula school with the intention of um eventually being a transition slash uh, grievance doula, my mentor, uh, shout out Cassie, uh, she was like, I, I know you want to be what's essentially called a death doula. She's like, but I really think that one, you should take this particular training because it's done by an amazing black doula. No, she's actually a midwife, um, Nicole, her name is Nicole. And Sister Midwife Productions. And she, so my mentor's whole point was listen, she's coming at this from the angle that Black women need to hear. And she was right. I'm only a few weeks in, and just the education aspect of um, how the birth rates, the, the maternity health of Black women. And she gives us the real education. You know, it's not generic by any means. And she constantly reminds us how important it is for us to be out here doing this work. But uh, Cassie's point was that I should be um, as informed about birth as I'm ready to help people um, deal with death. Because my position on death is, 
it should be a celebration. If we get together for weddings and take pictures and celebrate and share in um, moments together, if we do it for baby showers, someone's death can be a celebration of their life. Their transition can be flowers and music. And when they are up for talking, someone is sitting there and recording what they are saying. So between that and I am building out my coaching business. <laughs> so um, I will be starting to take on more one-on-one um, as a peer coach. So I'm excited, but nervous. Because <laughs> um, like, I've always been that friend, you know, that someone's like, girl, I got to talk to you. And I'm like, what's up? <laughs> we talk. <laughs> so I, I decided to become more intentional with that and you know my sister circle will always be my sister circle but if I'm going to use those skills that I've managed to develop over these years then I should be intentional about them also kind of benefiting me and my family as well exactly exactly because people value things more when they pay for it right right and and you see it sometimes with your friend circle like I had to set a boundary um I set this boundary about two, three years ago, if I keep giving you the same exact advice and you keep coming to me with the same exact problem, girl, you need another friend because I'm not the one for that. I can't handle that. So yeah. And so now they know it's like, Hey girl, Hey, what you about to talk about? (laughs) Yeah. Good advice cannot be endlessly free. That is also taking it, it creates an imbalance in a relationship. Right. Right. It's not reciprocal at that point. Exactly. Exactly. You're just living on my permanent couch. Exactly. And also it's emotionally exhausting. Yes. Because it's a drain. It's a drain. It's a, it's right. Right. Definitely. Could you tell us more about the porch? What drew you to it? Oh, man. So Courtney, you're amazing, amazing creator. You know Courtney. So <laughs> um, I honestly, so Courtney does something called Bella Pipes, where she hand carves uh, pipes for smoking. And she did this promotion where she was like, I just need some testers. And so our inbox, they're like, I'd love to test one of these hand-carved pipes made by a Black woman's hands. Like, yes, please. And so from there, it just clicked. And she invited me to be on the porch. I had an amazing, amazing experience of just, when I, every time I leave the porch, it's like, let's do this. You know, it's a recharge. Let's do this. Um, the resources and the tools and the support and the energy. It's it's almost like I, I always tell people it's hard to explain, but it's not hard to explain because the point is you kind of have to just experience it. So if you even have a bit of an inkling that, you know what, this something about this just sounds like, maybe do it because that's your healing calling. It's, it's calling you and it's saying, come on, come get it, come get it. And yeah, I don't even remember your question because you got me going about the porch. <laughs> no, you told me that's what that you're you're describing. What if if it draws you to it, that's your healing calling. I couldn't say it better than than that. That's what the porch is. It's your healing calling you. Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay, we're gonna put that on a t-shirt. 
and maybe a mug <laughs> and a hoodie. <laughs> What's coming next for you in 2021 and beyond? Well, I'll finish up doula school and I've decided that I am going to become uh, certified. So I'm hoping to get that certification done by my 40th birthday in January. Um, <laughs> and um, scaling out the coaching um, slash kind of mentoring and just taking it as it goes because it's so much like there's so many blessings just dropping 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 so for me it's like I'm going to go ahead and get these certifications under my belt um part of the certification will be I will have to uh, be a part of two births so I'll have to follow through so I'm nervous because I'm like oh I never thought I'd be doing the birth stuff (laughs) but um I, I, I really, really am looking forward to the uh, grievance slash um, transition doula part of it. And I'll be integrating my photography into both the birth doula aspect and the deaf doula aspect. I can't wait to see what comes of it. It's going to be beautiful creations. I have no doubt. No doubt. Thank you. <laughs> Switching gears a bit, if someone were to gift you with an ounce of your absolutely favorite strain or cultivar, what would it be? What what strain would it be? And uh, what would you do with it? Set the stage for us. Okay. Hmm. Probably this strain called Nine Pound Hammer. It is. It's amazing. Um, I'm I'm a very indica hybrid girl. <laughs> I can't, I have not, so everyone on the Wednesday call talks about their favorite sativas and how it helps them focus, and I'm always so jealous because I'm like, somebody help me find my perfect sativa. I have yet to be able to do a full sativa. It does not do for me what it does for y'all, but give me nine pound hammer in chocolate form. Oh my God. And my mother makes these, so (laughs) it's it's so good and listen girl it's the best sleep you are ever (laughs) it sounds like it but I'm I'm just even thinking about generational love and the plant coming together to heal your daughter to share with her grandson like I love it I love what you're describing so thank you oh we we are spoiled around here we went from no access to anything to mom's like, hey, I made two different kinds of chocolates. <laughs> We're like, intimate, <laughs> say less. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed talking to you, Nikki. You know, as always, it's magical when we get together. Could I ask you to tell our listeners one more time where they can find you on social media? Yes, uh, my website's being built for little. I can't give you that one yet, but you can find me on Instagram at sit, S-I-T, breathe, B-R-E-A-T-H-E, sip, S-I-P. And you can also find me um, at www.theporch.xyz. I love that. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and for sharing your cannabis journey and all of your journeys with our listeners. Stay lifted, sis. 
Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Miss Weed Wiki podcast, and we thank you for your support. 